Moral Revolution community, welcome back to our podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. We're gonna dive into all things God's design for healthy sexuality. Let's talk about it. Hey, let's talk about it, listeners and viewers. We have an exciting guest today. He's been with us before, so it might look like a familiar face if you're watching on YouTube. This is Ken Williams. He's the co-founder of The Change Movement and author of The Journey Out. Thanks for being with us, Ken. My pleasure. Good to be back. Ken's a part of our like greater team here at Moral Revolution, so we get to share offices and everything. And we actually share anniversaries in an odd way. We do, like the very day. <laughs> the very day. Yes. Not just the day, the year. August yes. 12, 2006, and his wife were getting married, Cole and I were getting married, and we both made four children. That's right. We get to play football together with our kids and mm -hmm. all the fun things. But <laughs> So what we're diving into today, if you guys have not heard his last podcast with us, it's called The Journey Out with Ken Williams. You can watch it on our YouTube channel, on our podcast, on any place you watch, any platform, we will put the link in the show notes here for you. But he shares his whole story there. So we're not gonna take the time to dive in. Go listen to that if you want to. But Ken, will you just share like a two to four minute version of your story so that they can see what they're gonna to get today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I wasn't always as happy as I am now because I, I was a troubled young person. I, don't, I didn't bond with my dad the way that really is ideal for young boys to bond. and. Um, Pretty well canceled masculinity before people were doing that you know I <laughs> I did that at a young age just because I was the young scrawny skinny kid and so you know you want to be the strongest boy and pick first when they're picking teams in gym class not pick last and so I finally it was just a lot easier to be one of the girls really I mean I never tried to be a girl but I hung out with the girls and uh, then you move on into uh, being exposed to porn and then uh, some other boys that found this hardcore gay porn with me, then started kind of some sex play stuff, and I got pulled into that, and next thing you know, I'm living in a sexualized world as a real young person that I never, of course, nobody ever sat me down and said, no, don't ever do this, or it was just all, oh, a discovery, and then you find yourself somewhere, and so then when I was in my early teens, then I started realizing, wow, I'm not girl crazy like the other boys. I don't think about girls that way at all, and matter of fact, I think he's kind of cute. And uh, that's not what you wanted to feel like in the 1980s. It was not cool to be LGBT uh, then. And so you just kind of shut your emotions down, start hiding, um, putting up fake walls all the time, try trying to make people think that I'm masculine when I don't feel that way at all. So it was just a lot of pretending, a lot of inner pain, and, uh, and a lot of mockery because uh, everybody could see that I was different and, and all of that. Um, and though... Uh, Eventually, the pain got so bad that I, I fooled around with some guys through, through that time. Um, at 17, though, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore because I had this conviction to follow. I got saved when I was eight, right before all of that started, as far as being pulled into a, another world. And um, so I had this conviction to really walk with Jesus and please Jesus, but yet my sexuality was in conflict with that, I felt. And so came out to my youth pastor. They made me tell my parents, cried with me for a couple of hours, which was great. But then I started seeing Christian therapists weekly for five years. And that was the beginning of my process. And again, you'd have to, to listen to the longer story to get the whole thing. But basically, I then ran into God as a present healing God. In my, I had a physical illness that God healed in, in a moment. And I realized, oh my gosh, he's really good. Like He's really good. It's not just about doing all the things he told me to do, but he loves me. He cares about how I'm doing today. And when I realized that, I thought, well, if he says homosexuality is sin, 
he wouldn't leave people with no options to follow, to live that out in a healthy way. And so miraculously, you know, over several years then after that, I started being able to going on a journey really to find out, okay, what does God, following God offer me with my identity and my sexuality and all that. And, uh, and so I've been married to my wife now for uh, 16 years. We have four kids, as you said. And I'm, now this is my full-time job is to help others with these issues. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So that's what Ken has given his life to. You can find him at The Changed Movement where there's hundreds and hundreds of stories of people that have also walked and left behind homosexuality. But he's written the book, The Journey Out, which the last podcast was mm. all about. But now he's finally releasing something that's been in the works for so long. <laughs> Five uh, years at least. Yes, because it's your life story and yeah. journey just put out there. So would you share with us a little bit more? We have yeah. one of them in front of us, and you can see how much <laughs> goodness this has packed into it. Will you tell them about finding you? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that I know that's not in here. So <laughs> if you do want to know what I think, it's in here. Um, yeah, I mean, the book was great, and, and that's helped a lot. But I wanted, for people that this is really their, their struggle, and they're really wanting to leave an LGBT life behind, like, hold my hand type of a thing, because yeah. um, that, that's what I felt like I needed. So this is, this is what I felt like I needed when I was 17 and suicidal and didn't have. Um, so it's, it's like almost 50 videos. There's, like, I don't know, almost 10, I think, t testimonies from uh, friends of mine that aren't, aren't mine on video. Uh, but then it's like, uh, it's, this is all... There are multiple different resources out there like this, but this is an entire life discipleship model because I didn't find that just focusing on homosexuality and trying to unwire it and well, did any good. And I did that for a, over a decade with no progress. Wow. But it was a whole life discipleship that is what put me in a place where I started to encounter God in the places where I was broken and started to see myself and everything differently. And so. You know, this is like a teaching on video and then something in here written and then also questions for you to ask yourself, activations so you can actually put this into practice in your life, this new revelation and, and all of that. It's, it's like really a, a handhold. And, and just a, it, you're going to just, the only people that I see that really experience radical freedom in this area, you basically have to just fall on the altar again in front of Jesus and say, if you could do anything with this take over. Yeah. And for those that do that and really just are discipled by the Lord in a new way, it's amazing what God can do. So, so amazing. Yeah. So we thought today, because obviously there's, this is 300, 350? 299, right? <laughs> 300 pages. I think it's going to go up later, but uh, right now it's 299. So as you can tell, there's so much content and there's so many hours of messages that we could have said, Ken, let us pull this from you. But he has an amazing message that's definitely part of Finding You, which is all about the new creation and yeah. our identity. Right. And so he shared that for a three-day webinar that you guys did for Finding You. And we were like, we've got to have this. We've got to share this. It's so pivotal. It's so amazing. Uh, get your Bibles and journals out. You're about to get to hear it. Uh, he breaks open Romans 6 and Galatians. And so you're going to want to take out your journals and pens. If you're driving, that's okay. Keep listening. You can come back if you <laughs> want to write down notes yeah. later. But I just know these is one of those moments where you're like, wow, that's who God says I am. I mean, this is what completely changed my life. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So incredible. So get ready to listen, and we will see you next time. I'll start off and tell you what happened for me. I have an encounter with God, and I, he, he shows me you know, that he, he physically heals my body. Like I, I have a five-year illness that gets healed in a moment, which I did not even know something like that was possible. And so I start walking toward him, but I'm having trouble, y'all. I mean, like, it's not, 
I'm failing a lot. Like I'm, I'm uh, addicted to pornography. The, the internet had just really, you know, come online um, back in those days. And this was like the mid nineties. And it's like, I'm out of, I'm out of college. And now it's like, I've, I've started a career, but like, I am really struggling. Like I, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm doing all the things I think I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to follow God and be obedient. And yet I would have these crashes into, you know, gay porn and stuff for a whole weekend, you know, just hours and hours and um, just objectifying men and, you know, lusting just real consistently. And the shame over that, I mean, you, you, you watching will relate a bunch of you, but it's like terrible shame and guilt over directly violating scripture, you know, and we, sin, sin is problematic and, and God wants us to not be in habitual sin. You know, I mean, he has grace for us when we do, but I knew that I was, I, I was not walking worthy of the calling that God had called me to. And so I was, I was grieved over that. And so I, I learned about this ministry school. And uh, so I ended up quitting and I was, y'all, I was making, I was, I, I, uh, I'm a pastor now on a pastor salary, but in those days, you know, I was making six figures as a 20 something year old. It was a lot of money back in those days. And I, and all that was going great. But on the inside, you know, on the outside, great. On the inside, I am struggling and failing. And so I finally, I hear about this ministry school in Northern California. Now I'm, I'm a pastor at that church and I moved, I, I quit my job, sold my BMW, rented out my apartment, you know, and moved to Northern California and enrolled in this ministry school. And while I'm there, you know, I mean, God starts really transforming me by the renewing of my mind. I'm learning all these amazing truths and experiencing his presence, all great um, in so many ways. And, and yet there were points where, you know, I, um, I wasn't, I wasn't as embroiled in those sins as I was, but I was still not free at all. I, I still was lusting and, and all that. And so I remember, um, there was a moment where, um, the pastor comes in and, and says, you know, well, um, if, if God says something's wrong, then he has, he gives you the grace to overcome it. Like, God's not going to say that something is sin and not give you the ability to not sin. And I was so angry and offended. I was like, how rude, you know, like I'm doing my best here and, um, and all that. And, you know, so I, but that stuck in my brain. And then, you know, I, and my studying in, in as part of ministry school, I, I come across Galatians 5, 16, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not obey the lust of the flesh. So I'm like, offended again. And I'm like, I am trying, I mean, I am really trying to walk in the spirit. I am, I am reading my Bible every day. I am praying every day. I am in class. I've, I've given up a lot to be here, paid to go to a ministry school and all that. And so why am I still failing? Why am I still lusting? And so this is what this comes down to today is, um, I believe it's how I was seeing myself. A major component of that continuous uh, failing and feeling like I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm still that, that I'm, I'm just a sinner and, and unable to break free came from what I'm going to talk about. And, um, and the way that I really experienced what I'm about to tell you is I went to, uh, I, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to spend a summer in the prayer chapel and <laughs> like go home. And, you know, I still had a job and stuff like that. But in the summer when I was out of school, 
to just spend, you know, an hour or sometimes three, four, five hours a day just in a prayer chapel um, on the property of the church and just reading Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Just studying that that passage in there, particularly Romans 6, 7, and 8. And so that's what I would do. And some days I would read a whole chapter or something. And some days I would just sit there and mull over a verse or two, just meditate on that scripture and really try to understand what it was saying. And you guys, my doing that completely changed the rest of my life. And, and honestly, it, it, it boils, you can boil it down even to just the first half of Romans 6. And so I'm going to do a deep dive with you on Romans 6 right now and, and you know, try to have this jump onto you the same way that it jumped onto me. So um, I'm going to start reading in verse 1 of Romans chapter 6. Um, all right, so it says this. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Okay, so right now, we've already violated a lot of what culture is saying today. Culture is saying, hey, you know, everybody sins. You know, it, it's all good. You know, the main thing is love, and God loves you, and so we need to just ignore the sin. Like, like you know, you can, you can have a lifestyle of sin and all that. God loves you. Yeah, he, he loves you, but um, that is not what this says. This says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, exclamation point. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So my first thing I'm going to ask you is, do you consider yourself someone who has completely died to sin? Maybe not. We'll see. Okay, verse 3. Or do you not, or, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Have you thought about that before? Do you see yourself? I mean, I know when you got baptized, maybe they prayed that with you or you you, you said something back as they were, you know, uh, baptizing you and you, yeah, this I'm identifying with Jesus' death and resurrection. But uh, have you stopped and focused on what that means? That This is saying, do you not know that, the, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We died with him. Therefore, Verse four, we were buried with him through baptism into death, dead and buried, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. All right. Now, do you understand that, that what happened for me is I started picking apart every one of these verses and trying to understand what does this mean for me? Because this is God's word. It is. It, it, it never returns void. It never goes out of print. It never becomes irrelevant. It is always, this is the words of God speaking to us. And he is saying that just as Christ was, uh, you know, it, um, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. All right. Um, and did you know that that, I think the way I used to read this was that, you know, that we also should walk in newness of life means I should, because Jesus died for me, start striving my way into walking in a new life. So I don't know, is there, are there some alarm bells we can make go off right now or something to like accentuate this point? That is not what this is saying. 
Matter of fact, I was looking at the at the Greek um, of that. It's a, a word that that uh, means should walk. When I said even so, we also should walk in newness of life. That means to make due use of opportunities. Okay, this is God is giving us the opportunity to walk in newness of life. He's not saying, well, boy, you better really get your act together because Jesus died for you. That is not what this is saying. So I'm going to go on. It says, uh, verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. How many of you have allowed yourself to consider that something so powerful has happened for you that we are now supposed to see ourselves in the likeness of his resurrection? We are supposed to identify with Jesus in his resurrection, not just with dying, with, you know, uh, identifying with his death. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Our old man, your old man, you know, the flesh nature of you, the, the sinful nature of you or me. It says, I'm just reading the Bible here. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin may be done, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You've got to listen to this without thinking what you're supposed to be doing. That is not what this is talking about. This is talking about what Jesus provided for us that we can identify with. Okay, that this is just this is mind blowing. We should no longer be slaves of sin. Now. Uh, so I'm, I'm enrolling in ministry school and starting off, and I'm like, I am not feeling like I am no longer a slave to sin. I'm not. I'm still objectifying these guys. I'm still totally sexually attracted to, you know, I'm still, in some cases, sinning sexually in different ways. So that wasn't feeling true about me. But here's a hint for the rest of your life and your whole, your whole life, apart from even this, is we have, you know, um, the just live by faith. As a man thinks in his heart, according to Proverbs, so is he. So what we believe ourselves, what we think about and meditate on has everything to do with what we're going to experience in life and what we will, will live out. So this is saying we should no longer be slaves of sin. So I have got to think about this and think, wait a minute, I'm not, according to God, I don't have to be a slave to sin. And that needs to be a more prominent thought or a truth in my life than the reality of, I still feel like a slave to sin. Let me go on. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I think most of us, we just don't believe that. Like, for he who has died, he's talking about us, we died, and we identified with Jesus in his in his death, right? When we come to know Jesus, we are saying, yes, I, I, I am baptized into your death and your resurrection. Or he has died who has, has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, can't die again. Jesus isn't going to die again. He died once and for all. It says, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives... He lives to God. He lives to God. Sorry. Says, um, no, this is this is the most important part for you. I've been I've been hinting about this, but this is your proof text that what I'm telling you applies. It says, likewise, 
you also, well, let me, let me stop. Verse 10. For the death that he died, that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God, okay? Jesus, death has no dominion over him anymore. Sin you know, completely blotted out by his death. And now he lives in new life. He's been raised from the dead. He was dead and in the grave. And then he comes alive again, okay? That dramatic picture of sin being conquered, dying, being being put in the tomb for days, comes back to life. That whole picture right there. Then verse 11 says, likewise, so just like that, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I mean, it, that's a lot of our problems. We don't reckon ourselves. We don't consider. We don't sit there and mull it over and say, oh my gosh, I am supposed to be reckoning myself dead to sin and living a completely new life. This Earlier, I was reading, it says newness of life. Verse um, verse four talks about, even so, we also, we also should walk in newness of life. <laughs> like, you guys, I'm sorry, and I'm going to meddle with some people here, but I am reading from the Bible, okay? We have believed that because we do still sin sometimes, that we still have the nature of a sinner, that I am, I am just a sinner. Well, that was true about us until we met Jesus, gave our lives to him, and identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. When we, when we appropriated that into our lives, when, when I gave my life to Jesus, he changed my nature, okay? <laughs> and this is where people are going to get mad at me, but it's the truth. And this is what changed my This is what made this journey possible for me, okay? Um, because this is where striving has an opportunity to go, to go away and be replaced by a deeper dependence upon Jesus' provision for my life. This is where I become more dependent upon him instead of, oh, I need to work harder not to sin. This is where I start to believe and have faith for the fact that because of Jesus, I don't have to identify with being a sinner anymore. That is not my identity. It's not my nature. And I know I'm going to talk about, okay, but we still sin sometimes. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Then let me back up and sit and remind you of this. This was such a dramatic thing. When Jesus died on the cross, that, I mean, read, read, read your Bible. The other, uh, when he, okay, so he dies. Then when he was resurrected, right? When the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead, that resurrection power was so powerful that it radiated out of him into the surrounding geographic area and other people who had been dead for who knows how long came back to life to life as well and started living their lives again. Dead people were by proxy because they were in proximity raised from the dead into a newness of life. Do you understand the gravity of this situation? So is this all about Jesus? 100%. Could any of us experience any kind of a free life or live worthy of anything good, right? Without Jesus? Absolutely not. But that resurrection life is not just for him. 
the fact that when Jesus was raised from the dead, we all get invited to live a new life. That was even demonstrated by the fact that other dead people who are physically dead got up out of their graves and started living life again. That's what you're supposed to do. You are invited, not by striving, but by believing. You are invited to own a new creation identity. This is not me. This is Bible. I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, um, says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, all the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That was such a profound reality for me um, in, in that time where the Lord, you know, when I'm having all the, the prayer chapel time and all that, I printed out um, on my computer, I, I printed out um, just that I'm a new creation in Christ. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been, become new. I printed signs and posted them all around my house, in my kitchen, in, on my bathroom mirror, in my bedroom, in the living room, on the fireplace. I mean, I post that everywhere because I was, I realized, you know what? I'm living every moment of my life still being triggered by uh, other males. There is no, by the way, there is no guilt or shame. If you're still same-sex attracted, that there is no guilt or shame over that, okay? Like your attractions just happen, all right? That's not sin. It's lust is a sin. When I entertain it and I start mulling it over and thinking about it and letting my ma- mind go there, that's where I enter into sin. But to be tempted is not. But but this is part of how the enemy wears us down and 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 causes us this pain, as he makes me think that because I had a moment of sexual arou- attraction or arousal or something like that attached to a male, that that's who I am. That is. It, 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 I don't understand how any believer can read the New Testament and walk away thinking that, oh, I could just, yeah, I have a, a, a gay identity when, when clearly we are given multiple explanations in Scripture about how we are a new identity in Christ. All the old stuff is gone. We get to identify as a, a man or a woman of God, and that is my identity. And when I believe that, when I approach, like really mind the depths of that and mull it over like I did for that whole summer in the prayer chapel, I start to experience some of that, (laughs) more and more of that. I mean, we're all constantly being transformed, you know, as we pursue the Lord to be more like Jesus and to fully live out the real identity he's given us. But I'm letting you know, if I'm trying to walk along with my, well, I'm, you know, because I have these temptations or these arousals some. that's my identity, and I also am a Christian, then I'm not going to experience the transformation that could be possible for me by just letting go of this being my identity. The fact that I experienced something, that's not where we get our identity from. And so what I did is the Lord invited me to focus on Him. And, you know, we are made in His image. In his likeness, we are like him. We're not him, but we're like him. We're made in his image. And if that becomes the meditation of my heart, and I say, yeah, I see you arousal. I see you attraction. I see you temptation. And okay, it is what it is. So I had that attraction. Great. But my identity is that I am a clean newness of life uh, saint. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint as far as my nature and my identity then I start to experience a brand new life, you guys. It's just the, it's just the truth. So, so you know, those that are sitting there saying, yeah, but okay, if your nature has changed, then, it's a, then, then you wouldn't be sinning if your nature hadn't changed. Not true. Not true. 
Um, and the, the proof text of that would be in the Garden of Eden. That was heaven on earth. It was perfect. There was no sin in that camp. But they sinned, right? So how is that possible? I learned this from Chris Felton. Uh, but he says, the only thing that is necessary for someone to sin is to have a free will, right? You have to be able to choose your own course. If you have a free will and you have the capability to believe a lie of the enemy, then you can sin. You don't, it doesn't have to be your nature. Think about it. That was the case in the Garden of Eden. They had free will, right? God gave them the ability to make choices. He put two trees in the garden, two types of trees. There was the one that was forbidden, and then all the other trees they could eat from, he let them choose. They had a free will. And then they had the capability of hearing lies, because remember, all the times that the enemy came and was trying to deceive them. And eventually, what they do, they bought the lie, and they entered into sin. They did not have sin natures. They were made perfect. That's the same as today. But so, and, and this, I'm telling you what we believe there's so many scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, on faith. Whatever, whatsoever things you desire, if you believe you receive them, you'll have them. So if what I believe affects what I experience. And so I am giving you an invitation to let go of identifying yourself as something that might be a little bit off of what God specifically says is your real nature, your real identity. I'm inviting you to see. All of the sin in your past, all the lust, the, whatever it is for you, you know, uh, an identity of, uh, well, because I have been attracted to other males or other females or because I have engaged in sex with the, this people, you know, these type of people, that that's who I am. I am le- I'm inviting you to say, yeah, that died with Christ. That got dead and buried. And because I am in Christ and and I have a relationship with him, I have an invitation to walk in newness of life. By the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is is operating in me. That resurrection life empowers me to live differently than before. And so then now, when I sin, because I still sin sometimes, not nearly as much as I did before, but if I have a sin moment where basically what happens is the enemy deceives me, just like Eve and Adam deceives me into a sin, then I repent. I say, Father, forgive me. Or if it's significant enough, it's going to have enough hold in my life or affects other people, then I go and I, and I confess it once or another that I'd be healed, right? And, but I, so I'm not telling you you don't need to repent of sin anymore. We, you absolutely do. <laughs> like In order for us to really have this fellowship that God designed for us to have with him, um, then we, when we do sin, then we repent. But that doesn't change our nature. We, st- we, we repent and that, that forgiveness we receive and it restores the standard and we go back to being the saint that God now uh, empowers us to live by his son. And, and y'all, that, that, I mean, I, that so seldomly gets applied to our sexual identity in current day. There's so much bullying, so much pressure to say if you've had a moment of same-sex attraction, if you've ever fooled around with what, whatever, if you've ever dipped your toe in that water or had a temptation, then boom, that's who you are. From now on, you must flip over to the LGBTQ identity if you've had a moment of that or hours of that or years of that. Well, it's not right. 
It's not right and it's not beneficial. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. The fact that you've had a temptation does not mean that that's who you are. We, that doesn't speak to our identity. That speaks to the enemy's identity. The enemy is the liar. He's the cheat. He's the thief. He's the destroyer. That speaks to the enemy's identity, not yours, not mine. The fact that I would be tempted with something. You know how common it is now for me to hear stories about people? Used to, this wasn't the case. You know, 10, 15 or more years ago, you didn't hear so much about, oh, this person that's 30, 40 years old, never been, you know, sexually attracted to the same sex, but then boom, all of a sudden, they're attracted, they're tempted with that. And now, as a 40-year-old, they believe that they're lesbian or whatever. And, and so now, because they believe that about themselves, they own that identity, and then they go, go that way. Well, that is, be, that is because of the bullying from culture that is, saying, it's, it, 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 that is saying that if you've had this feeling, this emotion, this temptation, that means that's who you are. That is an unbiblical concept. We do not get our identity based on our temptations in any other area of life. And if we did, that would be off as well. So this is a get out of jail free card for you. You do not have to see yourself this way. I don't care how many hundreds of partners you've had or anything like that. We get to completely identify with Jesus in his death. And that death conquered sin, conquered all of your sins, all of your hookups, all of your fantasies, all of your lust, all of your lying, all of your, all of everything, every bit of it gets to be dead with him. And, and you get to also, though, appropriate the newness of life part for your sexuality, for your purity walk, for your heart condition, the way that you would love and treat other people, for the fact that you would move forward in your life, not objectifying man or woman. Newness of life. He said that we are free. We have been freed from sin. It cannot have dominion over you anymore. And if it does, then there is a depth of this that you can go into with the Lord that you can now appropriate this. Reckon yourself completely dead to that sin and alive unto Christ. I just want to encourage you that you haven't seen anything yet. And I am not sitting here telling you that you will never have another moment of same-sex attraction. I cannot promise you that. The devil sucks. He is ruthless, okay? Add to that, if you've given yourself, or me, anybody has given themselves to a pattern of thinking or to, you know, watching porn or having hookups or relationship with someone for a long time, there's pathways in our brains that have been formed, okay? And so to all to expect that all of a sudden, boom, I don't have another moment of same-sex attraction. If you've given your life to that or chunks of your time or your thoughts to that, that's, that's going to be in the miraculous realm to all of a sudden not have that anymore. I know a few people like that, not many. Um, but, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, we now know. Now, now there's a lot of pressure in culture um, to shut down this message. You know, all of the, the understanding now about brains and how um, they can be molded, like brains can change. Like that is, bam, hard science now. For the last 15 years, they have understood, they, they now know so much about the brain 
how it is very malleable. It can change. You can form new pathways you've never had before as a 50-year-old. And then the pathways that you no longer uh, give your thoughts to start to grow dim. All right? But there's a lot of pressure in culture to say, wait, well, you can't apply that to your sexuality. Bull. Bull. That is li literally activist pressure. Okay? Our brains can change. And certainly God is not limited by anything. And so the goal, again, the goal is not, I'm telling you, if you try to say, I'm going to change my sexual desires. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to isolate this and I'm going to mind over matter this and I'm going to, it's not going to work. It's not, you're going to fatigue. The enemy is ruthless. Like you've had too much wiring for too many times or years that have reinforced something. If you're focusing on it, it will become bigger for you. But if you will divorce yourself from focusing that on that whole argument, that whole problem, and you will start focusing on intimacy with Jesus and about how much he has provided for you, about how he doesn't see you as a homosexual. He doesn't see you as a lesbian. He doesn't see you as someone confused with their gender identity. He sees you as his daughter. He sees you as his son. And he is embracing you as that. He is nurturing you if you'll climb up in his lap and spend the time. If you'll surround yourself, all the stuff I go into in great depth in the finding your thing. If you'll if, if surround yourself with an experience of God has forgiven me, the old me is dead, and he, by his resurrection power, gives me new life that I can cling to him for. And you are putting your trust in him, not in anything else. You can experience a radically different life. And that is not me telling you that. That is about 17 hundred different verses from the Bible talking about how God changes our lives. And when we trust him and we follow him, he brings us into victory, new experience, newness of life, freedom, you name it. I am going to pray for you. I want so badly for you to be able to receive this. Um, So many have read scripture, they've read Romans 6, and they get their hopes up like, wow, it sounds like I could be free from, from sin. They read Romans 7, they get confused. They read Romans 8, it tells a bunch of, I'm adopted, I'm a son, I'm more than a conqueror, I can, all this wonderful stuff. But they've allowed Romans a misunderstanding of Romans 7 to cancel out all of the truth and the promises in Romans 6 and 8, and that it need not be. Romans 7, in a nutshell, is talking about how the condition of man, the fact that we can find ourselves there thinking, that, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why do I not do the things I know I should do? We can feel that way. We could slip back into that. But that's why he sandwiched it with Romans 6 and Romans 8 to tell us we need to reckon ourselves. Yeah, could we experience that? Sure. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin, alive unto Christ, and we need to embrace Jesus tight enough that I am living in a newness of life, not by striving, but by resting in him and believing him. So, Father, I pray that you would come and you would pick up everyone that's watching this, Lord. You'd pick them up and hold them, and you would assure them, and you'd whisper in their ear, whatever you've got to do, that you would let them feel and experience that just because they have done X, Y, or Z, even this morning, that 
because of your the power, the eternal power of your death, burial, and resurrection, they have access to a completely brand new life. They have access to letting go of, of a belief and our ownership of a sin nature and to own newness of life in Christ. That can be their new nature. I ha- I'm new in Christ. I am no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. God loves me. His heart is toward me and for me. And as that in that reality, when occasionally I sin, then my relationship with him compels me to say, oh, I'm so sorry, God. Would you please forgive me? He does. And he's like, yep, saint. Yep, free man or free woman. You are forgiven. Thank you for repenting. And as you were. And so, Father, I pray that every person listening would be able to experience this right now, would receive this reality that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. I bless you with the love of the Father. I bless you to um, that these words would go in and would transform you by the renewing of your mind. And that you would be free to experience God's kingdom on earth today, which is that you are right, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which means right standing with God and an abiding sense of peace and joy. I pray that that is yours today in Jesus' name. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn more and check out all of our awesome content, be sure to head to our website at moralrevolution.com and our socials, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. But before you leave, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all of the things. We want you guys to come back and join us. We enjoyed having you. See you next time.